me late. We got K on that plate. Time to spin it all down and grind on it. Pop in the tape, rewind on it. Listen, you will find. Don't it teach, don't it reach. It's the feature, it's the future, it's the clock. Shit and watch up a notch on your computer. Ready, get your pencils out. It's time to draw this on the daily. What you buy, what you own, how you define your love and gravy. Give it a maybe, maybe not. Baby, please listen, these minutes ease. All your struggles, thanks again for your troubles. It's the clash. stuff we can actually make it sound yeah. like you can hear it and it, it works out pretty well um we're gonna kick it off like we've been recording so if there was anything golden that came up like we could keep it and edit it in there but um so here's our cool intro so just wait okay <laughs> i'm tim my name's rich and this is the clutch and together we have with us today kate bingham and bert <laughs> thank you kate <laughs> um and we'll be talking a bit about Art and education, which is a really boring title, <laughs> but what I want to talk about really is is more um, muse. How sometimes when you are the educator, they are the muse. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can sort of push them as being the muse. What and and sort of just being obsessive can be the muse. Just by doing the same thing again and again and again, that kind of gets you going. I'd love to talk about. What gets you going? And we'll talk a lot about drawing. I know you know a little bit about explain. Yes. But we draw all the time. It's which I love. pretty constant. <laughs> uh, and, and is the root of solving business problems, which is a different take on drawing than a lot of us normally are, are doing it to, to serve some other purpose. But enough about us. Um, you are from originally Wisconsin? I was born in Wisconsin. Okay. And then I... Uh, my Weaver parents moved us to a tiny little town two hours outside of St. Louis. Weavers? After, Yeah, my parents were Weavers. Wow. And, uh, and so they were living outside of Chicago, and they decided that they wanted to move to just – they found this cabin at the end of a gravel road, and it had a couple other cabins along with it, and it was super cheap. And they bought it. It was 1980, and they thought they would just be there for a few years. But they only just recently moved to Portland, actually, last year. Wow. So what ended up being a plan for just a few years and just kind of fun ended up being their residence for 35 years, 36 wow. years. Yeah. <laughs> what did they... What do weavers... I mean, I know, <laughs> no, I know, no, no. I know they weave, yeah, 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 but, yeah. like, what... Um, they, um, I've never met a weaver. Before. Well, okay, so my mom was a fibers major when she, she, they both went to Iowa State. They, they met on a blind date, Iowa State, 1967. Their first date was homecoming, and Simon and Garfunkel played at homecoming. Shut my up. My mom still has a ticket stop for it. Wow. But isn't that crazy? I know. I always have to, I'm like, <laughs> Simon and Garfunkel played at your homecoming? What? And then they got they got married a couple months later, and, um, and my dad was a, a business and engineering major, and um, we actually, my mom was just doing the weaving thing um, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and my dad was working for American Motors, which went defunct several years ago. And um, it was actually when my mom went into labor with me. So this was 1977, and my dad was still working at American Motors. And his boss kept calling him, being like, has she had that kid yet? Has she had that kid yet? <laughs> and doing something which now, I mean, now that I know, like knowing my dad, like it was completely like one of the most risky things that he could have done. He, he quit. And he were like, here, you know, they're about to have their first kid. And he's like, I'm going to learn how to weave. 
And so <laughs> they, they would do silk tapestries. They would do uh, um, different wall hangings. They would do uh, they would have their work in um, like like craft galleries. And then they would also do corporate commissions. And so my dad actually, because of his kind of interesting math background and engineering background, weaving is very mathematical. And um, just like you think of the warp and the weft and just like you have to calculate like all the designs and all of that, he really kind of his his jam in the business was making these giant eight foot wide weavings for more of their corporate clients. And so they would like be commissioned by a bank or be commissioned by just to, just for like lobby things like that. And they did that for 20 years. So, yeah. So that was kind of a, again, like I feel really lucky to have grown up in an environment where I'm seeing my parents, you know, make stuff with their hands and make a living from it. And I, I just did that just seemed like it was kind of just this natural thing that people did. Although in the town of 600 people where everyone was not a weaver, basically, there was no one that was even remotely, remotely in the same field that my parents were. It was really, really alienating as a little kid when you're like, well, what do your parents do? And I'm like, well, mom and dad are weavers. And, and, and they're like, wow. no one can make a living from being a weaver. And I remember coming home, like I had, this was in third grade, I had a group of kids decide that, um, that my parents must have won the lottery because there's no way that, you know, that just didn't, it didn't compute basically. And I remember going home and I was crying. I was so upset. Cause I mean, I'm like, of course my mom and dad must have won the lottery and they just hadn't told me. And so I was like, mom, I can't believe you guys won the lottery and you didn't tell me. And mom, I just can't even imagine what my mom must have thought. Like after like working all day and then here her third grade, crappy daughter comes home upset with her because they're keeping, you know, the secret of the lottery from her. It was, yeah, it was, it was funny. So. We'll have to do another interview with your parents. Oh my God. Oh, my mom, my mom. Yeah. My mom would love it. My dad would hate it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. And I would imagine socially it's kind of, you're in a weird spot. Yeah. Cause was it agricultural? Was it? It was, it was real. Everyone was a farmer. Yeah. 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 It was all farming. And there was a window factory in town. So it was either like your parents worked at the window factory or your parents were farmers or right. your parents taught at the school. So it was like I went with the the same kids K through 12, graduated the class of 35. Like it wow. was it was definitely remote. My mom always says too. She's like, you know, if I had to do it all over again, maybe we would have picked a town that was a little bit larger. <laughs> But um, but no, it was great. It was great. I was just really fortunate to I I I love the home that my mom and dad had made for me, and it was it was you know it was it was it was it was great. So really creative and only child or I have a little sister. Little sister. She came um, eight years after me. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's quite a spread. It is a big so. spread. It is a big spread. I feel like I I it's I, I kind of feel like we ended up getting raised by two different sets of parents because when I graduated high school, my mom and dad at that time were in their um, probably early to mid forties yeah. and they were kind of like questioning, like, how are we going to sustain this self-employed <laughs> business that we've got? And it would be really nice to have health insurance and, on um, you know, and so then my mom went back to school and she was certified as a teacher. And then my dad became a computer tech administrator for a couple of the local school, di- school districts too. So, and that's basically what they did. My mom retired, um, after teaching art and gifted classes, she was an elementary school principal for many years. So her last kind of phase was being this, this administrator 
of, of, of this big elementary school that was about 45 minutes away from where they, so she had this crazy commute she would take every wow. day too. Yeah. Did, did they bring any looms with them to? So <laughs> my mom, oh, so my dad, the moment that they stopped the business, my dad was like, great. I'm out. I'm out. This is awesome. I like it because he hated doing the shows. He right. he did not like selling work. He did not like having to talk to people about the work. Like he enjoyed really kind of making it. But the whole selling part, he was like, I no. My mom loved that part. So she kept she kept a smaller loom and she continued to do smaller shows in the mm-hmm. area. Mm-hmm. And now this is and this is what I love about my mom so much. Um so they moved to Portland to the end of October. She applied for the Saturday market like the day she came to Portland. And she's been doing the Saturday market every single weekend since they've been in Portland. Wow, that's great. <laughs> I know. And I have never been to Old Town Saturday market as much as I have been in this mm-hmm. last year. That's, that's cool. Like cool. I know where my mom's at. I'm going to go say hi. So and she loves it. She's got this whole circle of friends. She's like on the like – one of the volunteer coordinators for a bunch of things. She's just like totally getting, she's not, let's just say she doesn't really get, she, she has plenty of things to do. She doesn't get bored. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't think it would surprise anyone to see that there might be a robust weaving community already. in Exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and not to, 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 to couple that with the fact that not yeah, only it's normal to have a weaver. It is. Family. It totally is. <laughs> and, and her, she also loves uh, like natural dyes. And so it's like mm-hmm. all this bright and colorful. It's not, tie dye but it's like again there's a there's an active dye community there's an active oh, fibers community and so <laughs> she's she's found her people which That's is kind of great i mean they were remote so yeah <laughs> that is awesome so um so your road to portland uh just just from what i know um you you weren't exactly right away realizing that you were going to be a designer illustrator right that well kinda... yeah it's i was um I was, I thought I would, I really wanted to be a broadcast journalist and, <laughs> and I, I was always in uh, like speech and drama and theater and I was, did a lot of uh, like radio speaking competitions and then I did a lot of ex, uh, extemporaneous speaking competitions where it's wow. like, you have 20 minutes, talk about Brazil. Okay, let's do it. And so, like, I don't know, I love that stuff. And so, I'm like, okay, I want to, I want to get into communications. This makes sense. But it didn't really pan out that way. And I, um, I ended up being an English major and an art minor. But I was just hanging out in the ceramic studio all the time because that was that was where people um, who I thought were really interesting were there that I wanted to talk to. Basically, mm-hmm. I picked the classes where I found that I would find people that would be fun to talk to and have, right. like, good conversations. And so I found that in English because we just would sit there and we'd debate about stuff all the time. Right. And we would read and then we'd talk about it and read and talk about it. I was, like, <laughs> freaking love that. And then um, and then argue and get really mad about, like, grammar. <laughs> and um, and then in, in with all my ceramics classes, it was just this – what I liked about ceramics so much is what I think I also – really like about graphic design what I liked about ceramics is that it really took a community of people to get the studio 
going. Like you couldn't just do ceramics by yourself. Right. Like you had to always, you know, making sure that the clay was ready, making sure that the kilns were being fired correctly. Like you couldn't fire really a kiln by yourself. You had to have a group of people. And then we had this big wood kiln that was on campus and it was the thing where you had to keep it like stoked 24 hours a day whenever we'd fire it. So we would stay up all night and like make sure the kiln was being stoked. And then we just, it was just, I know I loved it so much, but um, we ended up getting a new graphic design professor um, during when I was there. And the graphic design program was basically non-existent at that time. And he was trying to recruit people. And he was super young and he was wonderful. He's still one of my favorite people in the universe. And he ventured down to the clay studio and was basically like, you should take graphic design one. And I was like, no, I like to be dirty and I don't like logos. Because that's basically (laughs) all I knew of graphic design at that point. And he was like, no, you can still get dirty and you don't have to do logos. It's more than that. And I'm like, okay, fine. And um, <laughs> and it really it changed my it changed my life. And um, because it was a, such a perfect blending of of what I loved about English and what I loved about mass com and just like telling stories, but through imagery, working with people, and it was just great. And he also he was totally fine with me working in paper mache for an entire year, <laughs> which I was like, I was like. I am going to only use paper mache for all my projects. And he was like, if you want to make it really difficult on yourself, go for it. I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I think we always have those teachers, those teachers that, um, at least for me, and I've like, like, like that you always really remember. And then those teachers that you just always are kind of like working against because they were just such a, such a kind of a terrible experience. And I feel like Marcus Melton, who was my graphic design professor in undergrad, like he, he's the way that I want to keep teaching. And then my drawing one professor that I had when I was an undergrad who just did not care was so disengaged. Like, and that's me like that. I teach against that basically because I mean, I, I left, I left school hating drawing. Hmm. I did because it was just like, and, and, and it was, and I realized how important those foundations classes are and how important a first impression is for a student who isn't familiar with the subject matter that they're going to um, be spending the next several weeks with. And also you're dealing with, you know, sometimes kind of frustrating students like me because I was just like, he, he. Like, he was such a disengaged teacher that I'm just like, well, if you don't care, I don't care. Right. And I can tell you don't care. And guess what? I don't care. And I'm not getting this right away. So this is actually kind of hard for me. And um, I don't like things that are hard. So I'm going to go to the lake now and I'm not going to attend class. And <laughs> it was, yeah, I was, I was, I was not, I was not a good drawing student. And so I left being like, I hate drawing, but yeah. I really love design and I love everything about design, but I hate drawing. Which this is going to come back around later, but that's really fascinating. I, my wife is a professor and she teaches history, mm-hmm. American history. And one of the things that drives her insane is that so many people in their lives have had experiences with history professors who have ruined history for them. So, And, and yet history when done right is just good stories, mm-hmm. right? It's full of just oh interesting God. things that happen. And I think... To ruin drawing, right? Right. Like this this core thing that we I breathe know, in. I know. But it's, it's. Yes. No, but it's also, it's like, it's, and I just, and, and also, you know, some, 
some kids respond to the teaching style of like, well, this professor is ignoring me and doesn't care. I'll show him. I'll show him how awesome I am. I'm just like, "Uh uh-uh. No, I've got other things I could be doing right now than trying to get him to like to, to woo him, I right, guess. Right. And so Well, and in the long run. Yeah. It totally worked. It worked out. It worked out. <laughs> totally won. Because that's yeah. the thing. I was actually talking with someone that he I went was to the best teacher. I know. And so like like yeah, that's what I meant to that's do. What he needed. He's like, oh, Twenty years later, he's like, I knew it would take you a while. But I was, that's what I was trying to do. Yeah, he like might that, consider you his protege Yeah, at this the point. really long game he was playing. Smart man. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. But that's funny. So you came out. You yeah. loved graphic design. Yeah. You hated drawing. Hated it. And then you did you did you graduate in graphic design? No. I graduated uh, graphic design in English. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So cool. that was... And it was, I almost, I had, a, I, speaking of history, I almost had a history minor. Um, I had all these minors. I was just like, I couldn't stop. I just, I, just, I love school. Right. 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 <laughs> so I guess I'm in the right field still. Absolutely. No, learning is the most fun, right? <laughs> it's so much fun. It's Absolutely. so much fun. Um, so what was the bridge from there to PDX? Okay. So I'll try to be concise. I know that it's it's hard, but so from there, my first job, um, I was in I was in Nebraska for a long time, and um, my first my first graphic design job was in Omaha, Nebraska, and so I was the in house designer for this gift company that um, oh my word it was so this was ninety nine ninety nine two thousand and um, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> But, I mean, I got along with the boss really well. And he's like, oh, you'll figure it out. And it was a family business that grew to a multi-million dollar company really quickly. It was all jar candles, gourmet food. I'm making air quotes with my fingers. Gourmet food, um, potpourri, <laughs> and um, all, like, just stuff that we don't need. But it's just kind of this it's that whole gift thing. And I um, did all the packaging and then I also did all the marketing. And then I also oh, did the, like, I actually purchased the domain ecandles.com. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. Because we were going to get into the business of online candle. I don't know what's on there now. What is an online candle? Just to sell candles online. I mean, this Perfect. was like just, you know, That's it's, it's 1999. There's yeah. no place to buy candles online. No, it's and like, everyone thought that online was oh, the gateway to and riches. And let's put yeah. an E in front of everything, <laughs> everything you know? Everything. And so it was, and so, and then I did, I did all the trade shows. I was like, wow. I was the, I was the single, um, no family, like mm-hmm. excited to travel and go to all these different cities. And so then like, I also designed all their trade show booths and nice. I still, that's a lot of my paper mache stuff came in handy. I huh. would do seasonal paper mache decorations for a lot of our trade show booths. Whoa. I know it was ridiculous. Um, and then my boss decided that he was going to sell them one time. And then I had like these orders where I had to fill and that was, I'm like, never again. I turned Ooh. into a paper mache factory. It was uh. terrible. But, um, um, it was so much fun, and I really learned a lot. But it was really stressful. Right, you, you're probably using Quark. Oh and, yeah, Quark, yeah. and I am on Photoshop and Illustrator. Oh yeah, yeah, Quark, Photoshop, Illustrator. Um, <laughs> let me think. Oh, and then just like terrible, terrible web strategy for right. you know ninety nine two thousand, and um, and then just basically living in merchandise mall, uh, merchandise marts. Um, mm-hmm. Trade centers, right. um, and then being a salesperson, That's and so it that was that was, and then so and that actually what is what kind of um, really pushed forward 
um, my interest in consumer culture and why we buy the things that we buy. Because I'm doing all these shows by myself. I'm in a job that I'm kind of like, it's fading. My love for it is fading. <laughs> I'm by myself a lot. And I am in these artificial environments that are just so bizarre and fascinating and, and disgusting. And like I did the same trade show circuit as um, – it was the year, it was so, yeah, it was like Beanie Babies were really hot, you know, so I'd right. always be like seeing Beanie Babies all over the place. Like <laughs> Monica Lewinsky had a handbag line. <laughs> and so I did, I, I did, it was like, it was after the whole Clinton scandal and she decided that, and this was also like super pre-Etsy, like all this stuff. Like it's just, it was a weird, weird time for like the gift industry. Right. And so then I would which, like. Which gift show was it? Oh, it was all of, I would do, I did the uh, San Francisco Fancy Food Show. I okay. did the New York Gift. I did so the Atlanta. York, yeah. I, I actually did New York Gift. <sighs> and it's now New York Now. Yeah. And I've done it a couple of times. I do it every year, actually. Oh, we I have kind of a, a side side thing, and I actually hate it. Oh, it's so Every crazy. time I go there, I think uh, there is way too much junk in the oh, world. Oh, yes. And no one should be making anything. And that's exactly <laughs> kind of like I would be filling up Just these notebooks. This is I was so insane. It's insane. And then I'd be having these, like, conversations because it's, it's all it's all the people that you're talking to are all other store owners. Yeah. And, um having really long conversations about like if this blue is going to be hotter than this blue for spring and just like it, it was just <laughs> and and then yeah. the whole kind of like the build out of a trade show and the tear down of a trade show there's like so much waste and so much just again just incredible artificiality happening and um just listening to the kind of these inane conversations over and over again I'm like I just became fascinated. I'm like, why are people buying the things that they're buying? Um, what, like, again, like, I wanted to know the stories behind different objects and the emotions that were attached to stuff. And, I, and then I was just like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I've got all these different ideas. I don't know how to study this. And, um, and I quit my job and went to grad school. So I spent three years at the University of um, uh, Nebraska in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And it was like, and this is going to sound, uh, hopefully it doesn't sound too, um, too cheesy, but it was like three years, three of the best years of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I, it was my job to make work. And I've, it's just, you, I realized how fortunate I was in the moment, but I'm realizing how unique that situation is after I'm done with it. Like, that's never really going to exist ever again. Right. Where it's like... Right, it's that's, sort of artificial. Yeah, it is. And it's just like your job... And I, I took it very seriously. Like, my job is to make work, to read, to research, to investigate, to talk to people, to like, right. this is this is my job. And that's where a lot of my... Um, a lot of my, like, earlier um, rule-based projects started out. Because I could make it my job. I could go to Target every single Tuesday and Thursday and talk to people in the afternoon about the things that they're purchasing. Because I scheduled it into my work schedule. Schedule. Like right. that's my job, that and then job. and because I already had in-state tuition, um, in-state residency. I mean, I mean, I got I got a really like I got, I mean I didn't I got a stipend to go to school. So I had I because I was a graduate assistant and state schools, man. I am such an advocate for state schools. Yes. And I am. I will always teach at a state school. I will always advocate whenever students are like, I want to go to grad school, and they list off all of like the art schools. I'm like, those are great. I said, but you should really check out some Midwestern state schools because 
they're going to pay for you to go to school and you're going to love it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so it was really fortunate that, I mean, UNL gave me that opportunity to have that be my job. And I yeah. also learned about teaching during that time too, which was, mm-hmm. I wasn't even thinking about teaching. Right. So I don't know, it was, it was wonderful. And that's where I was able to kind of like have that time, have that focus right. to really figure out how am I going to, how, what am I making work about? What do I want to make work about? Mm-hmm. Um, that's and, awesome. Yeah. It was and so, yeah, thanks. And, but it's all things like that. All things lead to other things, which I really love too. So it's like I had, but I, I still, those trade show experiences, Oh my God. But if I hadn't had those, I don't think I would have had the initiative to like have figured out the stuff that I wanted to do or would have even wanted to go to grad school to figure that out too. Right. So. And I think there is also something in selling yourself that way. Well, when you're selling things, you're selling yourself. Yes. Uh, That helps you teach. Oh yeah, absolutely. You get this level of calm in front of people. You know how to listen and but interact in a way that people will understand and learn. Absolutely. It's, it's definitely instructive, some some of these things that we do. So so when you started publishing, like you've published a few things, but the obsessive, obsessive compulsion, yeah. consumption, yeah. sorry. That's okay. Obsessive consumption available on Amazon. Um, <laughs> right. That was, that's that's like your, was that your first book or was that? That was my first one. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was my first one. So um, after I was finished with graduate school, I had been doing all these different kind of photo-based projects. I still wasn't really – I wasn't drawing still. Mm-hmm. And I was doing – like I documented all the Target shoppers and yard sales and thrift stores. I met my husband at one of his yard sales, and I was like, this is an amazing yard sale. I'm going to marry you. And I did. And then like um, – and then um, I – the end of my third year of grad school – I, because I had three years of teaching and I was like, cause again, like I went into school not thinking that I wanted to teach and I exited being like, I actually really like this and I mm-hmm. want to do more of it. And so I applied to like 30 different jobs at the end of my third year. And, um, I got a tenure track position at Mississippi State University and I was there for four years and, um, it was wonderful. And that's where I feel like I was really able to continue kind of to, because the teaching that I did when I was in graduate school, I didn't have a mentor. Well, I did have a mentor, um, but it it was it was it wasn't really so much focused on teaching strategy and like right. effective classroom things. It was just kind of like I mean, I taught a typography class, and I never even I never even took typography when I was an undergrad. <laughs> you know, I mean that's I mean, and so right. I'm just like, hey, we're gonna figure this out, and I did, and it was great. It was fun. It was probably. T- terrible typography class objective wise but the students had a good time and they made some really fun expressive type and <laughs> and not any like fine line detail stuff right. that's still not my strong suit but um but so in Mississippi I was under the um under the leadership of um her name is Jamie Mixon and she had been at Mississippi State for many, many years, and she was just one of the most dedicated and passionate teachers I've ever had the pleasure of working with. And um, seeing how she ran a program and seeing how she engaged with students and seeing, like, just how she operated, like, I feel like that was, that was, like, my teaching internship was, like, four years at Mississippi State, just basically trying to emulate everything that Jamie Mixon did because, I mean, she was just incredible. And, um, and then while I was there, um, that's when I actually started, um, cause I was, I was at that point, I wasn't, 
I was a graphic design professor, but I was making work about graphic design. I was making work about consumer culture. I was making work about marketing and advertising. I wasn't making, I wasn't participating in the culture. I was observing. I was just because I'm like, oh, this is academic. It's academic research. You know, this is what I am. I'm doing, I'm a professor. Um, and one of the projects that I did that first started employing drawing was um, I was 24. $4,000 in credit card debt, and I wasn't telling anybody about it. And so I started to draw my credit card statements, and I decided that I was going to do that until they were paid off. And I picked drawing because I didn't want this project to be fun, and I wanted to pick a medium that I felt most uncomfortable with, and that was drawing. And so it was just kind of like, yeah, and so um, it 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 and but then like about, you know, several, several, several months into the project, I and I shared them online, all that stuff. Um, I discovered that I was actually really enjoying making marks and lines, and I love the meditative nature of it. And I love that I had, you know, one credit card statement would take me about an hour to do, and I just was like, I would look forward to that. I'm like, oh, I have to work on, and it was just like, just this really beautiful slow process of of just slowing down. And um, and so then I decided, well, damn it, I think I actually like this. Shoot. Okay, so now I need to make another project where I can draw something other than my stupid credit card statements. And then that's where my one-a-day daily purchase drawing project started, and that was in 2006. And then um, in 2007 is when art directors and um, agencies started to contact me about doing illustration work. Mm -hmm. And that, I would say probably from the... 2007 is when I stopped really well I added a new component to the way that I work and it's actually the stuff that I do the most now it's where instead of just making work that's about you know advertising graphic design marketing I'm actually became a participant in that like I was and then I discovered I'm like wow now that I'm actually you know um having my own illustration practice this makes me I don't know, I feel this makes me feel like a, a much stronger teacher because I'm able to talk about the business side of things. I'm able to talk about client relationships. I'm able to talk about deadlines and all this stuff like that. Like it's like I'm able to, you know, be an active participant in the culture that my students want to be a part of instead of just observing and just, you know, I, I and I am so much happier with the way that turned out because I feel like I am just a, just a much bigger asset for them because of the illustration work that I do. Um, and it's, it's all tied together. It's all like a big mushy ball. Like I can't, like I have my, I have, you know, my, my illustration practice, I have teaching and then I have, you know, which has become less and less because illustration practice and teaching have really taken over quite a bit. I wish I had more time to kind of figure out more like of my consumption based projects and studies, but like those three things are so kind of important to each other that I feel like if one were to go away, it would, it would really kind of throw the others off balance. And I think that's why I'm a little bit concerned right now because I feel like, like school is hard and heavy and illustration practice is hard and heavy. And I'm like, I, I want, I would just love to have a week where I just didn't have to think about school or think about client deadlines and just kind of sit there and focus and think about the stuff that I 
Like, what am I making? Like, what what's, could be, be my new project? What could that be? Because I stopped the daily drawing project. Um, it went lasted for eight years, and I stopped that in 2014. Um, and then I've just been doing a bunch of – nothing is ever really – it hasn't really – it needs to be small. Whatever it is needs to be small. Just right. the way that I've kind of – the way that I work, like I can't, I can't be like, well, now I'm going to go three months on an artist residency. Like it just, it's not, it's not going to happen. So right. it's whatever it is, it's, it, it always has to be small. And I've done a bunch of other little things, but nothing has really felt right or stuck right. So I'm still, I'm still like looking for that next yeah. thing. Well, and, and I think also our, your, your, for, for me, the projects that I take on outside of the primary day job have to fit the time and season. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That, that there are, you know, when when my children were a certain age, yeah. it was impossible to do much at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And so so it's just sort of barely taking on one thing or another here and there that would that would kind of feed that side. Exactly. Of, of and but, this is like I am. This is the first time in a while that I've been without a self imposed rule structure in order to help me generate work. And I've tried since 2014 to instill several other ones, but they've just not, haven't, this didn't feel right. They didn't stick. And I'm always telling people that if it doesn't feel right or if it doesn't stick, that's okay. You don't have to like, just, you you just got to keep trying. And it's all, and I'm in this process right now. And again, it's like, I have to take the advice that I tell my students, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're thinking while you're making. And it's like, you just got to keep making and you got to keep thinking about what it is. And that's going to lead to the next thing. So, right. You know, it's like I, I'm not going to like – I'm still going to do very small bite size. But if, if I'm able to just find at least a half hour of the day where I can just sit down and not think about, you know, client work and not think about schoolwork, like that that half hour is just a gift, man. It's mm-hmm. so And so it's like what am I going to do with that half hour? Right. So Right. That's really neat. You, you tipped on a couple of things there that I want to circle back around to. But the first one is – I talked initially about the idea of being a muse or what is the muse. And, mm-hmm. and it seems that that what we've come to a little bit with you is that you enjoy imposing these frameworks. Yeah. Right? I need a framework. That, that, that help you <laughs> be productive. Yeah. Even if it's like a very simple framework where it's like, okay, I'm just – do you know, you've got 30 minutes – and you're going to use, you know, these tools, whether it's like a pen or I don't want to. A lot of the frameworks I do, I, don't, I they're very simple because I think if it's like you can use like any color or anything that you want to like, that's just like just simplify it, simplify your framework. Right. And it's going to it's it's going to help with the actual making, too. Yes. But yeah, framework and then just a framework to make lots of work. Right. 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 <laughs> so I guess I don't know if that's that's kind of I guess the muse is mm-hmm. is just you you can't sit around waiting for the muse. You right. just gotta make a lot of work and then the muse will just maybe keep appear. I don't yeah. I don't know. Yeah, but I think conjure uh, the muse. Yeah, but I like <laughs> I like what you're saying about putting putting some guardrails around mm-hmm. what you're what you're going to do. Because yeah. I think a lot of creatives start with I, I've got all of my colors and I've got a completely blank canvas and it's sky's the limit. What in the world am I going to do with this? And I think by having that, that those of us who are successful, um, I don't always include myself in that group, but those who are successful, those who are successful, (laughs) (laughs) uh, manage to keep some restraint around what they're doing. And a lot of times Mm -hmm. those constraints 
that's where the creativity happens. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you, if you have those rules also, you don't need to, it's easy to draw every day because you, you know, you're drawing what you're buying every exactly. day. Exactly. You, you already know what you're drawing. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to do it. You just have to do it. Because, um, I mean, because I get in these grooves where I'm drawing a lot of one thing or another, and it's easy to draw a lot when yeah. I'm in those grooves, but then... And I try and do something new. It's like, I have no idea what Exactly. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. I don't know what I should be making right now. But so having those themes, I think, are really good. And it's a, and I think it's also, too, it's like you're in control of your content. You're in control of the tools that you use. And I, I think that that's always something that we forget that, like, wait a minute. This is my project. I'm yeah. making this way harder mm-hmm. than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um Whenever I would teach the senior thesis class at school, um, they always, one of the big components, and senior thesis is like, it's a very, students are very stressed out. Um, they all of a sudden are, after several years of school uh, with briefs, and well, a lot of the briefs, they can still be open and bring in their own content, but they still have a structured brief. Well, this is like senior thesis is like, the brief is like, well, what do you want to make? Right. And that can be so crippling and so, yeah, so just like, fetal positions coming on, you know? And so a lot of it, and I, I really do miss teaching that class because it was just a lot of conversations about, like, listen, you've got all these different ideas. Let's just sit here and work through this. And what's going what's gonna to make for the most effective project in the 10 weeks that we have? Because one of the biggest, biggest um, things that I would see students being so stressed out about is they just have so many ideas. And they're just like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've got so many different ideas. I'm like, first of all, congratulations on having lots of ideas. That's fantastic. You're actually you're actually in a very good position because there's a lot of people that don't have a lot of ideas and that's not so great, but this is good. You've got a lot of ideas. And also second, just pick one of them because it doesn't mean that this is going to be the last time that you're ever going to be able to work on a project that is self-initiated, that does come from you. And, you know, it's okay to like have a bunch of ideas. Just pick one for now. And then when you do that one, Pick in another one, and it's just it's 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 just it's funny. I feel like sometimes the 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 um, balls we get twisted into, um, just because just like what's this one the one big thing you can do lots of things. Yeah, yeah. It's just organize it and figure out what's going to make the most sense and what you can actually what you can actually do with your schedule or with what's going on in your life and how we can kind of organize that to make it the most effective thing possible. So yeah, and. What about when you have a student who has maybe picked something that either is a little cliche or, yeah. or is, is maybe – how do you get them to cycle their thinking in a way that's going to take them maybe in a better direction? I ask a lot of questions because whenever I see a student that is like coming up with an idea that has already been done many, many times or working in a style that I'm like, oh, somebody really likes Jessica Hish. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. um, it's it's just about like really figuring I'm like, well, what is what what is what's the, your unique voice that you're bringing to this? Because like you do have a unique perspective and this is going to sound very cornball, but there's just one of you. So what what let, let's yeah. talk to you like what like talk to me about, you know, where you grew up. Talk to me about what you liked. I mean, it's, it's it's kind of like fun, fun designer therapy. Yeah, no, <laughs> and, and kind of drawing them out of 
making what they think you want to see. Exactly, because I tell them this too. I said, you're making work that you think you're supposed to be making, but you're not really making the thing that you want to make. Am I right? And they're usually <laughs> are like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And so it's like, okay, let's step back a little bit. Like, right. what do you... Like, I always, whenever I do portfolio reviews, too, I'm always like, okay, talk to me about the project where you felt, like, all, like, everything was clicking and that you're like, I love this. I could work on this more. Like, I want I want to do more work like this. And that's actually a really tough question for a lot of students to answer because, especially when I do portfolio reviews at other schools, too, if they're not... They're, if they're not expecting <laughs> that type, usually a lot of portfolio reviews at other schools, they're just waiting for me to yell at them or something like that. But <laughs> Or just to sit there and just get really nerdy about, like, their type choice or something like that. I, right. I don't care. I don't care. I want to know, like, what is it that you have to say? And what is, what's the one project that you – and I've had students tell me, like, well, I don't know if I really enjoyed any of these projects. I said, well – then what are you doing? Like, what's yeah. what do you like to do? And and then it just kind of it kind of goes from there. Um, I don't know, it's just it's interesting. It is, but it it's is. also like those are the questions that we forget to ask ourselves too. Like mm-hmm. they seem very clear whenever you're talking to somebody else. Oh yeah. But then you're like, oh yeah, but what do I like to do? And am yeah. I just making work that I feel like other people are expecting me to be working? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Am I doing this just to continue my own brand? Exactly. Am I doing this just to, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's really interesting. I mean, it was terrifying yeah. when I stopped doing my daily drawing project because yeah. I, and I, and I was just like, oh, yeah. I, I told myself that if it ever felt like it was just becoming like just something that was, because it doesn't, I mean, and I was just like, if it stopped, if the fun stopped mm-hmm. basically, and if the fun stopped for a while, Right. Then I would stop it. Not if the fun stopped like a couple days because, I mean, oh, my God, not everything has to be fun. Right. But if it was like a consistent thing, mm-hmm. I'm like, this just feels kind of this just feels kind of false. This mm-hmm. just feels like it's repetition right. and I'm not really pushing it forward. So mm-hmm. but then I was like, well, crap. Now what? I know. Because <laughs> at that point, I had always had another project in place mm-hmm. from like 2001 to, you know, well, I stopped in 2014, and I just I didn't I didn't have another thing in place. Mm-hmm. Do you so. go from project to project, or do you have multiple projects? I have multiples. I have okay. multiples. Yeah, because I've got some like I've like either sometimes I'll have like really like over like long long term projects. Like my credit card project was six years. My no four years. My daily drawing project was eight years. When I photo documented all of my purchases, that was 28 months. And then I'll have like whenever like. I'll do like one thing that will last a summer or one thing that will last a month or one thing that'll just last for four days because I think it's stupid mm-hmm. at the end of the fourth day. You know, it's just, it's kind of, yeah. Right. It's, it's amazing though that you have different things going simultaneously and you're able to keep them going regularly. Well, nothing's going right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing that you have. I know. Yeah. No, I think I what's... Think it's amazing how poorly you're doing it I now. know. It's so true. <laughs> I think, I mean, really, I, I, but I also, it's just like, I think you got to be open for your, like, your creativity to evolve, too, because I think one yeah. of the biggest things that I found from doing a lot of these long-term projects where I gain the most satisfaction whenever I like these projects would end up involving um, like people or an event or getting community involved or if I like had a bunch of people come together to draw together or if I like, um, I don't know, then all that stuff kind of led a little more to um, 
just getting involved more with education, getting involved more with Designing Portland, getting involved more. I'm on the board at the IPRC too. Like, like all of this kind of just like working with people and talking with people and then just like, like making those events and things like that happen. Like that's really satisfying and exciting yeah. to me. And I feel like that's kind of where on one hand I'm like, Oh, I need another. Cause I really do selfishly like having that, 45 minutes a day where it's just me and my headphones and drawing. But I actually, I get that kind of calmness whenever I'm doing client work too. So that's, mm-hmm. that's good at least. But, um, but where my um, interests have evolved to um, as far as where I see just my, 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 my design practice and education practice is just about kind of creating, creating spaces where, good engagement and conversations and people can meet each other and for that to happen basically. And that really like when I first started teaching in Portland state where it was, we all, we were all spread apart in buildings and no one really knew each other. And it was just like, I'm like, okay, how can we, how can we, how do you create community? How do you, how do you make spaces out of not so desirable places? This room <laughs> here is filled with trash. Well, maybe we don't have trash in this room and we actually turn it into a space where workshops could happen, you know? Okay, right. this room over here is, you know, just, and it <laughs> I just kind of, no, 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 this room here is, 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 is fantastic. But it's like, it's like thinking in those modes. And then also right. like when, when designing Portland started four years ago, it was, you know, me and Celie and Eric being like, you know, we all have like Celie had started Creative Mornings, Eric had right. Design Speaks, right. um, Show and Tell have been Show going for a couple. And so we're like, you know, all this stuff is happening. Right. Like we really should have just a week where it's all aggregated and it's just a mega week of everything happening at once. And then we can like kind of like raise the awareness of all these smaller things that are going on. And then also maybe like have learn about other things that we didn't even know were going on. And that's what happened, too. And so that was that was awesome. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger every year. And so I really am excited about that stuff. So, yeah, no, it's it's awesome how much it's taken off. Oh, I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. And part of the reason the Wellspring for this podcast was there are so many great things that happen that we can't all make it to. Yeah, right? I know. And so, and, and so many interesting people and personalities yeah. and stories. Uh, and so we wanted to build something that you could listen to while you're in your happy place, like drawing or yeah. <laughs> while you're on your way to work or whatever it is you're doing. Absolutely. Right. So, so that was part of our, our thinking as we put this together. But um, it, it is that the, the community has kind of taken off. And I, I think that I don't know if Portland is different from a lot of other cities, but I do think we have we have a little more of a sort of design and craft, uh, like just a sort of this river that runs through the city. Right. And it's not, it's not the Willamette. It's like a really large, deep community that, that has, you know, and I think that I feel like this community is generous. I feel like this community is, um, just so, willing to share knowledge. And I guess this is just from my position at Portland State too, just how, again, 
I think that's people like yeah. it's there's there's a such a there's such a feeling of um, generosity and there's also such a just like it, it's it's I'm gonna sound like so kind of very Pollyannish here but it is it's really it's really wonderful seeing um, just how how much um, I mean just like you coming and speaking to my students or like coming in for portfolio reviews and it's just like there's it's just it's so generous because no one has to do that. No one has to do that. And um, we could so easily just remain in our own silos. And um, but I mean, but design, I think that's so that doesn't happen like that. You don't grow when you when you just keep to yourself, basically. And so um, kind of cultivating, cultivating that that culture of generosity and that culture of I think curiosity, too. And I feel like there's a really wonderful um, sense of just again, just lifelong learning like I want to learn how to do that what are you doing I want to figure that out and I just think by nature designers were like that we should be like that Mm -hmm. I'm always telling my students I'm like it is your responsibility to be nosy it's okay to ask lots of questions and if you don't what's wrong with you like (laughs) I I think the generosity though and I think that's somewhat unique to Portland I think so relative to other creative communities and it, other cities, I think. Right? Yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty wonderful. Right. So yeah. I moved here from Boston where it's a very competitive culture, right? It's very I'm gonna beat you at this. Yeah. <laughs> and uh it, it, that that seems pretty different. And I from, think that's but that the whole that that's such a because I think there's a lot of schools that are gonna be like there's like this this I'm gonna beat you at this. I'm gonna right. like this is this this is like kind of like this competition that's kind of like scary, right. but I think you can have really, really, really high standards. And then like, again, I feel like this is, and this is a, this is a cheesy phrase that I like to use all the time, but like, uh, you know, uh, the high tide raises all the ships. And, and so like, and I feel like that's been something that we've been able to really instill at, at Portland state too. It's like this whole concept. We have a, a really active mentorship program where juniors and seniors get partnered up with freshmen and freshmen and sophomores to kind of not only help them with projects, but also just kind of like answer any questions that they might have through the program. And then it's also just like everyone kind of understands that if they help each other out, like everyone's work is going to get better and that is just going to benefit everybody. And so I don't know, but everyone also realizes that the standards are pretty high too. So yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. This is, this is great. Um, go ahead, Rich. Well, I have, I have a little question because, um, I, I know you're really into zines. I am. (laughs) And I'm wondering, so back in the day, um, I made a lot of zines. Awesome. I don't make them anymore. Yes. But I made a skateboard zine that became, um, the circulation got large enough where I had to print them. And I was awesome. really into zines yeah. for a really yeah. long time. And I met people all over the world, like trading It's the best. It's the best. I think, that, talk about a culture of generosity, um, too. Like, yeah. that's like, yeah, I mean, that's so. So I'm, I'm wondering if, um. I feel like zines have kind of had a resurgence oh, that completely. I'm not a part of at all, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I haven't, uh, I just, I feel like it was a reborn without me. Um, but I have a lot of. You can. There's still time for you to participate. If you... <laughs> My mom was a teacher, and I would go up to the school and make them on the Xerox. Of course, that's exactly what you should have done. And I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm. I guess I'm just curious. Uh, why zines? Why um, why printing is important, and why 
does it still have that? I'm a little curious if it still has the culture of like trading zines and like getting things in the mail was a big deal. I used to love mail. Oh my god, mail is just the absolute it. best. I'm I I know that there are still zine subscriptions. I don't know if it's I don't feel like it's still like the heyday of like fact sheet five and stuff like that where yeah. you just you know like I'm gonna write away for this thing like that's amazing. Sure. Now it's like I'm gonna find this online. I'm gonna order it online. I mean, there's still a lot of zine distros that they exist online solely. So it's it's not quite as analog as it as it used to be, mm-hmm. which is. Is, is just it's just an evolution, but um, I do think there's a whole new generation of of um, of people that love the tangibility of zines, the accessibility of zines, the um, just making again. There's yeah. it's just so satisfying to make things with your hands. And whenever I go and give zine workshops um, to different schools, and it's usually to graphic design students, printmaking students, illustration students. Um, my printmaking students are always like so damn good. Like they just like they mm-hmm. they just they're used to being so connected to their work anyway and like touching their work and making things with their hands. Like we always end up making like these incredibly elaborate group zines with my printmaking students because like, yeah, we'll burn a screen for that. Yeah, well, like, yes. d- like it's no big deal. But a lot of my graphic design students are like. I haven't made anything with my hands in, you know, you know, three months, six months, a year. And so it's almost like they're shell-shocked in a way. Right. And not PSU kids, but like, you know, like where we, they're so, you know, some, like just so connected to the computer. And then when I come in and do a zine workshop, I'm like, we're not using the computer at all. We're going to use the photocopier. We're going to draw. We're going to talk about different ways to make imagery. You know, we're going to do some collage. And then they're just, they get so, they get giddy. They're like... I haven't gotten this messy in such a long time. And I'm <laughs> like, great. yeah, this is great. And so, but it's, it's, um, I think that that's been fun. And then also the, um, when, uh, when someone realizes that they, number one, have made a publication about something that is something that they care about, something that is their point of view and that they can go to a photocopier, make 20 of them, and then give them to other people. Like that whole thing, like I love watching a student be like, oh my God, I can do this. That was a revelation yeah. for me. Yeah. So I, was, I was maybe in seventh grade. <laughs> Shut up. You're that young when you're I, making I your zines? I love that. And I saw you're my, a cool kid, man. My yeah. first <laughs> zine was Lurch. It was called Lurch, and it was a skate zine. And I remember looking at it thinking, and I, I thought, wow, I, I did not know we, like, kids could do this. Yeah, yeah. So I talked to my mom, went up to the school. I was up there all the time. Oh my God, she was doing so... kind of after, oh, after yeah. classwork, <laughs> and I was making little zines. I was sending them to, to my friends. And it's just it's such an empowering feeling. Yeah, I felt like know? I can create something that's in the world. Yeah, you know? I have control over this. I can create this, and I can distribute it. Yeah. And I can and I can I, give it to people that I want to give it to, and I can also just, like, leave it on the corner, and maybe someone will find it. Maybe yeah. they'll see my address in there, and they'll, like, write to me. And it's just – there's just <laughs> – I don't know. There's just – I that, that feeling, I love being able to um, introduce that feeling to, to students now. And um, – and just, you know, not everyone loves it, which is fine. Like, you're, it's, I am so, like, but there's always the handful that are like, I can't wait to make more. This is so great. This is so great. And so it's just like, okay. Workshops are so much fun, too, because you just swoop in. Right. And you, like, 
do this thing for like a day and then you leave and it's great. You have like the students are on their best behavior. You're right. on your best behavior. Like everybody loves it. <laughs> right. Right. I'm, I'm a little surprised that sort of making blogs and making websites. So when I first learned how to make websites, that was kind of the same oh, completely. feeling. Like completely. I can make something and put it online yeah. and then it yeah. lives out there. And it, so it's interesting that kids who, I imagine are very comfortable creating content for the internet or in the computer still kind of have that excitement about making something that's a physical the physical and I always I always say that the combination of the digital and the physical is like the best one two punch if those are working together <laughs> and so I you know it's just it's it's I said it's just you you've made this really great zine and it leads you to a cool website or a cool like just I th- yeah. that that combination like that and I think especially too where it's like especially when you're like I don't know people don't really mail things to each other anymore yeah and so I feel like when I was first coming up in design like you would get mailed stuff there was always like postcards that would be on art director's desk like it was all like this like you would get lost in the shuffle with all right. kind of the mail pre-internet stuff and then that doesn't you just don't really get you don't get great stuff in the mail and so mm-hmm. I'm like I tell my students too, I'm like, you know, if you want to reach out and talk to somebody, even if it's someone who's like work you admire or, or, you know, it's a place that you want to learn more about, like send a really good email, you know, have a nice, like maybe there's like a PDF that's attached to your work. But then if you could find their address someplace, like send them something cool in the mail. I said, because their desks are not, <laughs> this is, you don't get as much cool stuff anymore. But I said, you need to do all those three. You need to show that you can actually write a really good email. You can show that you can put together a really well-tailored PDF that you didn't send to everybody else mm-hmm. and then follow up with something really cool. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> I'm like, that would impress the crap out of me. <laughs> no, that's when, when we're hiring. Students are students are, are the best as far as the, the candidates, right, that we would we would interview for hiring. Mm-hmm. When we, we interview, love it when they send us. Things. Yeah, no, we let, we get all kinds of goodies and treasures. Yeah. What's what's interesting is the more senior the candidate. Yeah. The less cool stuff you're going to get. <laughs> right. Right. That, that, that they and and. Truth be told, they it, don't have an entire class dedicated to right. making the cool stuff to send no, out in the no, mail. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, and, like, and if their portfolio is solid, right? Yeah, if you then can who see can, yeah. examples of their work, then that's great. And, that and makes we, up for other things. We have a time. Yeah, there, there are times when you know we've seen seen things that like we'll we'll get them the interview, yeah. but then you realize that. You can make really cute little things. I know. <laughs> and I, I see no examples of you actually making great work. But, but and you can't really make eye contact when I talk to you. Yeah, that's, that's a good point as well. Yeah, no, no, you no. don't know how to speak to people yet. Right, right. But we love this. But we, we love, love this, this thing. thing. Right, right. And can you make me another one? <laughs> that's awesome. It's got to be the whole deal. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we're looking for the whole package. Um, so... So yeah, but not everybody's Frankenhauser, right? It's no, like, it's true. <laughs> not every. Oh, he was. Yeah, such a such a good combination of all those things. Yeah, yeah very organized. <laughs> well, guy. He yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope he listens to this. I yeah. know. Hey, Jeff, you're missed. Um, so, I I told you my wife was a professor. Both my parents were professors. I love that. Uh, and so I've had lots of academics. Have you ever like? Can well you share mine. what's that? As well as mine. Um, Both my parents were teachers. Yeah, I love that. yeah. So, so 
I know that sometimes academics, things are crazy because the stakes are so low, right? And people are trying to be very combative <laughs> mm-hmm. at, at times. Or and, and sometimes students do crazy things. Can you share any interesting crazy mm-hmm. stories oh in a school academic setting or or even as a grad student? Or, crazy class stories. Yeah. Wow, I'm trying to... I didn't you, prep you with that question. You know, so th- I think probably one of the things, one of the craziest things for me to adjust to in the whole, I mean, this is my, this is my eighth year at Portland State, my, oh my God, my 12th year of being a like tenure track full-time professor, which is insane. I don't think I ever did the math until now. <laughs> um, and the thing that always frustrates me the most all the time is how slow things move. And I think it's more of like the bureaucracy of being part of of a huge university institution where there's a lot of things that don't make sense. There's a lot of things that are really frustrating. There's And then just the slowness yeah. of like change. And um, I have a, a really good mentor um, at Portland State. His name's Ethan Seltzer. He works in the College of Urban Planning. And he was our interim director for the art school for the last two years. And he... He was the first, I think, I think it's, this is, it's really good if you're going to be, this is not crazy classroom stories. I no, think this is just more like, yeah. just this more just like, like, like academic war stories. Academic stuff where he told me, well, let me back up a little bit. It was, it was so refreshing for me to see as a newly tenured faculty member when he first started being our interim director that he has been at Portland State for 25 years and he still had sincere enthusiasm for teaching, sincere enthusiasm for learning, sincere enthusiasm Mm -hmm. for um, he has a very well-respected professional practice, like he's really active in the community. He's just, it was just, it was a breath of fresh air to actually see that this is a possibility. Right, <laughs> like right. That, this, that you don't become the checked out Exactly, professor. like yeah. that That he was such a good example of inspiring leadership that that really reinvigorated me and honestly is the reason that I am doing this position at Portland State right now too because he was such a good model of inspiring leadership and like he, and he told me, he told me that you've always got to have, you know, you got to balance out those projects that feel like they take forever because you are within a university system, these really, really long ones, you've got to balance that with these shorter, smaller victories or these these more bite-sized projects that can happen. So you can feel like you're starting and finishing something and you're completing something. You have that good sense of completion while you're still kind of working on this long-term project, i.e. trying to get a building for the art school, which right. I feel like has been a project <laughs> that started years before I came to Portland State and right. we're still continuing on it, you know, because if that were the only thing I were focused on, that'd be really depressing yeah. and very frustrating. But because of having kind of like these bite-sized, um, bite-sized projects and balancing that, it's like that's that's what kind of still fuels my, um, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's continue to figure, let's, let's work on another space audit for, you know, <laughs> let's open up that Excel document and, you know, it's just, it's, and so it's, again, it's just, it's kind of like, it's that balance of, of big and small. And yeah. that was, that was, that was huge for me to hear him tell me that. And, um, and that's, I was like, yeah, you're right. You're completely right. And so yeah. now I always make sure, especially when I'm dealing with school projects that I do have that balance. And, you know, it's 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 really really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Because if you just focused on these long term things, you would just 
you would just think that everything was broken. Yeah. You know, so. Circling back around to just a couple last thoughts I wanted to go through. Maybe we can can kind of wrap up the the idea of Portland. Any other thoughts around the city, the climate, anything else that you think make design and and art kind of work well here? You know, I just I just know that I wouldn't want to teach design any in any other city, mm-hmm. um, just because again, it's just the accessibility here, the way that the just the 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 the, the the way that students can learn from, you know, the professionals that are here, the way that I, I just, I guess selfishly, it's really good to teach at Portland State right. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. and be in Portland. And then it's also kind of the thing I never really accounted for because when I taught at Mississippi State for four years, I mean, kids leave. It's, it's a colossal mm. brain drain. And, um, right. and so I never would see... I would never see alumni. I would never. I mean, I keep in contact with them, but it was. Right. I think it's a pro and a con, actually, mm-hmm. honestly, because a lot of the a lot of the alumni from Mississippi State, when I was there for four years, they are in San Francisco. They're in New York. They're you know they've right. they've taken bigger leaps. Right. Whereas the one criticism that I have about Portland State kids is that they're like, why would I want to go anywhere? Right, it's right. so rare Interesting. to yeah. have students be like, I want to work in London or I mm-hmm. want to work at this agency in New York or right. I'm going. And But it's 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 maybe it's it's, it's and I keep I'm like, this is the time to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. Like, like. Just because you don't know anybody in the city doesn't mean you can't do research. We can't figure this out. Right. And it's really, really, really rare when we do have students take those leaps. Yeah. And um, and I want, I want, I want like the Portland State students to right. exit. But like this place is just, it's. Right. They're like, but this is the place that Kate I've always. Kate just made the movement with her hands yeah. as if it was sort of a volcano. <laughs> it was erupting. just like, go just out. go out, yeah, go that's out. Right. Um, but. But they're like, but that's the place I want to work at. Or mm-hmm. I had this really great internship experience. Or the person that you brought into class, like, like, like she hired me. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's just, or like, you know, through Design Week, like, I went to all these different open houses and, like, I found the place that I want to work at. Right. And so there's, it's, it's, there's not a lot of, um, which good or bad, there's there's not a lot of wanting to yeah go west of, young man go exactly. go discover something else exactly yeah. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. so Which, and, and I think having done something like that having taken the leap yeah and and gone to a new city where I was not familiar with anything yeah there's something wonderful about doing that particularly oh, when you're young it right is, it is it's the best thing that you can do <laughs> to move to a city where you don't know anybody yeah. to where you just you just that that is kind of amazing, right. and it's transformative, and it helps you. It helps you grow. Right. And I'm like I tell me too. I said it doesn't mean you have to be gone forever. Mm-hmm. Just go and get some experiences, and then if you really have this burning desire to come back, come back. Yeah, it's still here. Oh yeah, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, but. On the flip side, it's really fun to see a lot of my former students quite a bit. Yeah. And then they come back and they, you know, help with the classes. And, you know, or I have a handful of students that are now adjunct professors at Portland State because they, you know, they 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 want to give back in that way, too. Right. And they're great teachers. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know, I, I like that makes my heart like so mushy and warm. <laughs> 
when that happens. And it's just, it's mm-hmm. just, and I'm like, well, I really like that too. I'm glad they didn't go anywhere and they've got these great jobs and they're really having a fulfilling, creative, you know, sustainable life right now. So. <laughs> well, and it's nice also that in Portland you, you can get A-list design jobs. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that I think there are people who often, you know, if, if you're going to one of these schools in, in other cities, mm-hmm. you graduate and if it's not the one agency in town, yeah. you're kind of like, all you right, all gotta go someplace else. <laughs> you know, I gotta go someplace and else. For those who want to stay here, I do think it's there are lots of opportunities yeah. for growth and and to learn a lot at a lot of the you know, we got so many agencies and so many uh, just design-related fields that Absolutely. you can explore. Absolutely. Um, super cool. I wanted to ask you, so to finish up, um, it's been awesome, by the way. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's really, been fun. really fun. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll hear, I mean, really great different personalities from the different podcasts we have, and this will be, this is just great. You know, very different vibe from some of the other ones that we've had as well. Um, things in Portland that you like, we like to end this on what we're calling Portland picks. Ah, things that... I like so many things in Portland. I know. I know. So whether it's, you know, you, you know of just a neighborhood or a restaurant or a coffee shop or just give us a couple picks that, that people can go out and check out. Okay. Well, I'll start with one of my favorite foods, which is pizza. Mm. And my absolute favorite pizza is Dovivi. Yes. And it's my favorite. And when we first moved to Portland, we moved into that neighborhood. So mm. we were like at Southeast um, 28th and Ankeny. We nice. lived above Crema, which I wow. love that coffee shop. Like we landed in such a wonderful, like we found it on Craigslist or in Mississippi. And it was just such a, oh, it was just so <laughs> ridiculous that we were even able to get it because there were tons of people that wanted to, that apartment. But anyway, Dovivi was like my favorite. My, I liked it so much that my husband would tell me to stop talking about it. because oh, yeah. It's I, so good. He, it's so, and I, I love everything about it. I love like the little, you know, thrift store plates to the water mm. glasses have a round bottom on that. And I think that's really nice. Right. I like the way they hang their spices. Like. <laughs> right, right, right. Did they call it Colorado style pizza because it's somewhere in between like California. Yeah, so it's, the East Coast. It's, it's so, and it's just, I, and so whenever like any of my friends come from out of town or we ever have like, you know, uh, someone, like a visitor at the school, I'm always like, let's go to Dovey V. That's great. And that's, that's always great. my default restaurant and default pizza place. That's a good pick. To the, the beautiful screen printed pizza boxes, to the <laughs> magnets that you get, to the fact that you're going to get a chocolate chip cookie, even if you're super, super full, it's still that's really right. good. And yeah, it's, oh, it's ridiculous great. and I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> that's fantastic. Awesome. Um, any other like, any apps you enjoy? Any like, like, like. Or things that you use more than others, like you know. I mean, I know you're an Instagrammer. Yeah. Ooh, people we should follow on Instagram. Oh my goodness. Oh, I should have. I should have yeah, been more should, prepared for that one. That. No, no, no. Um, I'm trying to. I, I'm trying to think of what some of my favorite accounts are right now. Um, God, I do love Instagram though, and mm-hmm. I. Um, that's that's like the one social media platform that I still really truly mm-hmm. enjoy. Um, and I really, I, I love, I love using it, you know, for my own, st- my, my, my feed is not, is not, um, highly curated, like, <laughs> but it's like, it, I, 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 I make it, I don't, sometimes 
I have people ask me, you know, like, well, why don't you just have one that's just for illustration? Why don't you have one that's just for school? Mm-hmm. Why don't you have one that's just for your, you know, your daily projects? And yeah. I was just like, why? What a pain to manage all that. I know. I was like, number one, <laughs> one of the things that Instagram does not do well is you switching back and forth between users. Right. So, and then another thing, it's like, but this is like, I use this like it's my visual journal. Yeah. So why would I want me? I mean, I'll use different hashtags, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to. And it's like, this is what happened at school today. This is what's on my desk today. This is something that I think is fun today. And so it's it's just I try to use it as um, honestly as possible and not being like, I'm going to try to like filter out all this stuff. <laughs> but um, but yeah, favorite users. I can't. I'm That's all right. It's hard to remember. I know. It's right? hard to remember. It's hard to remember, remember That's the, hard. I know I follow a ton. Right. right but I. Right. I we'll put it up. So send me an email with okay. a couple, couple that you'd shout out. And okay. We'll put it up on the list. Uh, cool. There's a little write up for, for each. Yeah. Each of these. I'm trying to think because I have like plenty of like my friends that I love to follow. But I right. know there's a there's a couple that I just I know that I'll, I'll think of here. Yeah. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, any events that we need to know about. This will probably come out in like a month or so. Well. Um, yeah, um, I ha- I would be, I would be um, not doing my duties if right. I didn't plug DesignWeekPortland.com. Yes. Um, we have a two-day main stage that's going to be happening on April 15th through the 17th, and tickets are on sale now, and we're going to be adding more to the speaker lineup, and it's going to be the first time that we, as a, um, as an organization, has put forth any sort of curated content. Mm-hmm. Because one of the beautiful things about Design Week is that we just provided the infrastructure right. and the support for other people to be doing content. And in, in one way, that was really wonderful. And in some ways, people are like, there's just so much stuff to do. Right. How do I get how to do I, There's like do seven I, events a night. How do I do this? How do I do this? And while the, the two-day main stage is where we are putting forth... Mm-hmm. You know, speakers that we think that people are going to really enjoy hearing. Awesome. Um, and it's it's topics really we've been focusing very, 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 very hard on um, really good, thoughtful topics that are going to be presented to. And so that's kind of how we're going to kick everything off with like this is this is Design Week Portland's voice and that's how we're going to be kicking it off. <laughs> and then we have the whole kind of like crazy infrastructure. And then um, another thing that's going to be happening is going to be on um, November 21st at the IPRC. There's going to be a big print pull party that's happening. Ooh. And Lisa Condon is going to be pulling prints. Wow. I'm going to be there pulling prints. We're going to get some other people there pulling prints. And then they're going to be available since we're getting close to the holidays, um, there's going to be, you can either purchase a print for $15 or you can get everybody's print for $50. So, and it all gets donated back to the IPRC because it's during the, um, the Willamette gift guide is uh-huh. going to be kicking off. When is that? That's That starts, I think that starts on the 1st. Okay. And so then that's going to run through the 31st of the year. And wow. so we're really trying to kind that's of great. get that all working for the end of the year stuff for the IPRC too. Fantastic. Yeah. So November 1st. That's well, the gift guide's November 1st for oh. Lemon Week. November 21st. Okay, got it. Yeah, November 21st is the event. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then of course there's always show and tell lecture series that happens every Thursday from noon to one at Portland State University. And we still have about four more weeks in the term for this too. So fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Awesome. Kate Bingham Burt. Uh <laughs> Thank you again for coming. Oh, thank this you. This has been really great. Yeah, this and has been really fun. Thank you so much. And yeah, take care. Yeah, thank Bye. you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thanks, Tim. This was fun. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we're just getting started with these, but it's really fun for us, and we hope you like them as well. If you have any, any thoughts or comments, send them to us at, well, our email is hello at designclotch.com. Also, if you have any friends or know of anyone who uh, would be who we should have on the show, uh, send, us, send us their info. And Design Clutch is totally supported and made possible by Explain. Uh, Explain is a design consultancy based in Portland, Oregon, and Amsterdam in the Netherlands. Uh, we love working for this company, and Explain is uh, basically focused on helping large organizations clarify, communicate, and achieve their goals. Uh, and we get to draw for a living, which makes it a lot of fun. Uh, that's it. I think that's it. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.